I'm Vicki Basilega, Director of the Clinical Specialist and Scientist section here at ASHP, and thanks so much for joining. I'm excited to share that today's episode is a curated feature from the exceptional programming from the 2022 ASHP Major Clinical Meeting that focuses on best practices and actionable steps that you can use in your practice to make meaningful changes towards more equitable, diverse, and inclusive teams and organizations. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, best practices, and leadership advice at the world's largest gathering of pharmacists. ideas about healthcare and disability. We do know that people with disabilities are overrepresented in the healthcare system. It can be needs directly related to their disability or kind of higher rates of chronic illnesses within this community because of other rationale that can occur. The World Report on Disability found that you're two times more likely to find a healthcare provider's skills and equipment inadequate if you are disabled, three times more likely to be denied care, and four times more likely to be mistreated by healthcare providers. And again, that's not just physicians, that's across the board. When we start to think about these relationships between clinicians and people with disabilities, it is quite precarious. Our clinicians, including ourselves, have distinctive roles in establishing and responding to what's considered normal. We talk about normal labs or normal presentations all the time. And then we also define kind of what's abnormal. And these can lead to negative health outcomes. How many patients have we seen that need a knee replacement and they told them they need to lose weight before they can get it? Which means by the time they're losing that weight, they now have more damage and the surgery is going to be much more complex. And there are larger social consequences to ill-conceived state and federal policies. Expert witnesses usually at legislation are clinicians who have their own biases to what people with disabilities need. And this can lead to systematic oppression of various interpersonal discrimination and stigmatization. And historically, disabled voices have been silenced. And, you know, the clinician has a potential to withhold standard medical practice, give inferior treatment, and neglect certain preventative health treatments. So they're wielding a lot of power over these people with disabilities. And then their own biases and attitudes towards people with disabilities can lead to a significant healthcare barrier, leading to more mistrust from those with disabilities from seeking their actual need in medical care. You'll hear a lot in the disability community that people don't want to go back because they just get disregarded. And they're like, well, why would I do this if I'm going to continuously not find a physician or healthcare provider that's willing to take me seriously? And there's been a study that showed that people with disabilities perceive physicians not listening, not explaining their treatments, not treating them with respect, not spending sufficient time with them, which I know we can all kind of feel that now, and not allowing them to be part of their own decisions. There's quite a bit of potential that people with disabilities may feel from their providers. Subsequently, because they're perceiving this, there's more mistrust and they're less likely to seek any medical care, which obviously is more problematic because if they have higher chronic needs and they're not getting the medical care they need, when they are presenting, they're further along in their disease course rather than having some of those preventative measures early on. So what can we do to get better healthcare for those with disabilities? 
These are super simple but effective ways that are drawn from already established communication competencies. They're established in the ways that we're already speaking to our students to be able to speak to their patients. And it's been part of kind of the curriculums in pharmacy schools for a long period of time. But we're not necessarily elucidating that this should also be for other marginalized communities, including the disability community. Obviously, treating the patient with respect. That seems simple, but having empathy for the situation and what they're experiencing. Focusing on the patient's goals. What are they expecting to come from this? If they're paralyzed, they're probably not expecting to walk. But what are they trying to be able to do more of? You know, making it a little more specific to them. Communicate effectively and having appropriate listening skills as part of communication, and also having nonverbal communication, responding to questions in a timely manner, and having options for different types of communication. If they need an ASL provider, if they need Braille, any of those types of things. Enlisting that patient in their plan of care, so not only finding out what their goal is, but helping them make the decisions for themselves, and provide resources to help the patient adjust or adapt to their disability. When we look at disability education in healthcare, how many in this room, you can raise your hand, actually received any education on specifically disability? Maybe two, three, four, five hands, maybe? But there is a significant gap in interprofessional healthcare education for those with disabilities, and this leads to even more disparities within this population. Disability is an aspect of diversity, and it can be seamlessly woven into concepts that we're already teaching. Healthcare equity, professionalism, patient-centered care, social determinants of health, any intersectionality, and cultural competence. And cultural competence is where a lot of people think this fits the best, and using conceptual framework to really teach this disability-related content to healthcare providers. Opportunities to meet with persons with disabilities. And sometimes that means going to their homes to be able to see the nuances of how they interact within their own environment. But lecturers, panelists, and or standardized patients that do have disabilities, I do give a warning to avoid asking standardized patients to act disabled. I'll just again use my disability. If you ask somebody to act blind, they're going to put dark glasses on and probably walk around like they're reaching for everything. Again, not normally what people are doing, but that's what the media shows. And then it lacks authenticity and may inadvertently reinforce some of that stereotypes. And it's really hard for a standardized patient to show like lack of muscle tone. How are they going to do that? But if you bring somebody that actually has that, they're able to show that so the person can assess that better. And nothing with us without us is kind of a disability theme when we're looking at disability justice, including those with disabilities to be able to better educate in that aspect. So contextual and conceptual frameworks on disability, bringing those into the curriculum. Professionalism and patient-centered care, another aspect to really seamlessly bring this in. Understanding the legal obligations and responsibilities for caring for patients with disabilities. And these are some of the core competencies. We have the ADA, however, within the ADA, many service dogs are rejected in many different healthcare facilities. And the Uber trying to get to that healthcare facility. It's not just the right thing to do, but legally we are responsible to make sure that they're having this. Having teams and system-based practices, really looking over all, including in our clinical assessment and clinical care over the lifespan and during transitions into disability. 
Overall, what can we do to have equitable healthcare? And again, this isn't necessarily always just about disability, because again, there are intersections of everything else that are correlating to these marginalized communities. But encourage communities to be accessible. Call out when they're inaccessible. Try to change it. Utilize universal design concepts and remove operational policy shifts. Universal design concepts is making it accessible for everybody that would potentially use this space. Enhance appropriate healthcare for those with disabilities. Improve education and work opportunities when possible. If you are somebody who hires, including people that have disabilities within that population. And make sure your online application is actually accessible for those with disabilities, particularly if they're using screen readers. Increase social participation. Make sure that they're actually included, they're not just the token. Provide access to needed technologies and assistive supports. Include disability and public health data collection efforts and health promotion activities. If you're doing research, maybe having research around how a disability may affect that versus one without a disability. And expand disability and training opportunities for public health and healthcare professionals, much as I discussed before. And if you are somebody who does education, there's a final sheet with references as well, and it has some of the recommendations for how to bring that into education for healthcare providers. So with that, almost everybody not born with a disability ends up with one at some point in their life. Almost always it's at the end of their life. I promise you it's better to learn empathy now than sympathy later. This was said by Nathan Monk. And if we live long enough, we're all going to eventually have a disability. The nature of life. We are temporarily in able body. Thank you so much for listening in today. For more resources on incorporating diversity, equity, and inclusion into your practice, visit ashp.org backslash DEI. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more episodes that feature the ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting Programming 2022. Until then, this is Vicki Vasilina from ASHP Official, and thank you 